The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, it is that time of the year. The first Saturday of May approaches us. Of course, the day before, we've got the Kentucky Oaks with a run for the roses this Saturday. We've got some great guests. I'm going to try to put 10 pounds in a five-pound sack. Also got some late-breaking news from Winning Ponies. Once again, we're going to have our uh, derby contest, okay? Uh, just uh, get your picks in prior to 6 o'clock on Saturday for the derby. Go to winningponies.com. Just sign up. First place, going to give you 200 bucks cold cash don't even have to make a bet second place 100 winning credits third 75 fourth 50 fifth 25 six and seven get a really cool winning ponies t-shirt and the winning ponies cap goes to the one that picks the closest final time okay uh, don't forget, th- now the easy win forms are the way you're going to want to go. There is so much unbelievable good racing down at Churchill this week that you're going to want your easy win forms. Doing well in Kentucky at Keeneland. We closed the meet out with a $1 super high five of over $2,000. And for those of you watching the West Coast, we had a $1 super five key that paid $1,900 and a plenty of other ones. Our guests, and we're going to want to get them on pretty quick. First one will be Penny Gardner. Penny Gardner uh, is the rider, not in the race, but in the mornings of a horse that is being highly touted by many people right now. I was hoping to get some odds on Hofberg. That may not happen. Uh, Penny's been on his back all of his career. He's son of Tappet, trained by Hall of Famer Bill Mott. Hofberg, the hot horse. Uh, also, uh, we finally did get uh, Joe Neville's column revealed. Remember, he wouldn't give us his uh not pick, but as analysts of the horse most likely to get a mile and a quarter. Well, the cat's out of the bag. At least it was two days ago on DRF through the Daily Racing Forum. Joe Nevels tells us that Hofberg has the best pedigree. So a lot of reasons to like this horse, and you'll like listening uh, to Penny Gardner. who gets the inside scoop on Hofberg and what it's like to work for Bill Mott. And then uh, we're going to have uh, Tom Law from uh, – the uh, uh, Saratoga Special, and of course, he's associated with the Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred. Turns out Tom, that earlier this week, won the David Woods Award for Preakness coverage. So he has now completed a personal triple, triple crown of writing as he's won the Red Smith Award for coverage of the 20, 2003 Kentucky Derby and the Joe Hirsch Award for coverage of the 2014 Stakes. We're going to be talking to Tom. Congratulations him on new one and also one of the busiest guys in the business this week is dan illman he's so kind enough to take time out of his schedule uh, to share his views and those of a lot of his guests that have been on his show all week long and their oaks and derby analysis and the analysis of a lot of the races underneath like i said great stakes card we're going to try to get to as many as we can but before we do that i'm hoping we were able to get her she's down in the bluegrass none other than Penny Gardner. Penny, are you with us? I'm here, John. All right. Well, just to let you guys know uh, in in transparency, um, I was, when I first started in racing, uh, officially being paid, um, I was uh, 
taken on the backstretch by Kevin Gomer at River Downs, and we pulled up to this uh, uh, shed row, and there one of the first people I ever met was Penny Gardner and her family. Of course, she has two sons that were uh, jockeys, Mark and Casey. And uh, of course, uh, so Penny and I got to meet and be friends. Of course, I was a very, very young man at the time, even though this story goes back 35 years. But Penny, great to see you this week. You look great in the saddle. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I don't think anything could be any better right now. No, no, and uh, I'm looking at a photo of you right now that was in the Daily Racing form from Joe Neville's column uh, talking about the that this is the horse that they can get the course that a mile and a quarter. And of course I'm talking about Hofburg, but we, before we do, you didn't just show up at the Mott's barn and start riding. You were actually a professional jockey in, in the early days of your riding career. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I started riding, uh, you know, around the like local fairs and smaller tracks in, uh, as soon as I got out of high school in 1969. And, uh, it's just been a great journey ever since. It's a little it, bit it, different than those little fairs being here. <laughs> I, I know, but I also knew you when, when you were uh, essentially training horses too. So you mm-hmm. bring a lot to the table in that not only do you get up on, up on horseback and you have the advantage to get off the horse and tell a trainer how the horse went that morning, but as a, a former trainer, uh, you've got a little more insight into the conditioning and the health and uh, something that's going right or something that's going wrong with a horse. That's got to really help you with your communication with Bill Mott. Yeah, I, I think so. It's it's nice to have a lot of uh, experience in you know different aspects of it, and I think you know I think he appreciates it. I I said something to him the other day about I was kind of had to do something in work that I really didn't want to do, and he. He was really happy. He said, that's why I have you up there, you know, to make those decisions. So it makes you feel pretty good. Bill Mott, now, you know. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, now, how did you first uh, get under his shed row, Penny? Um, well, it's, I think it was t- 2012. Maybe I'd been working for John Ward, and then he retired and uh, sent some of the horses to, to Bill, and I kind of came with the horses and just never left part of the package huh right yeah part of the package <laughs> well um it, it's great to see you guys all working together and it's really neat uh too uh just as you've had generations of horsemen in your family uh to see riley mott working in concert with his father yeah it, it really is he and he's such a nice young man just very very classy uh and you know he's not been babied at all i mean he's He's worked his way up from the bottom and uh, just um, loves what he does. You know, he's, he's kind of like some of the rest of us are, you know, I can, I can really identify it with it. He never wanted to do anything else, you know. He, he loves what he does, and I think he's going to – he's got some big boots to fill there, but I think he can do it. He does. I don't see his dad uh, hitting the, the rocking chair at the retirement home anytime soon, but uh, I will tell oh, no. you that <laughs> just from observing Riley – uh, around the barn from afar, uh, that uh, he seems like the kind of guy that nothing's below him. Oh no, and that and that's, I think that that's a lot that was instilled by Bill. I mean, Bill's still like you'll see him raking a shed row, or you know, he's just uh, he's a hands-on guy. There's there's no prima donna there, in, in any of that uh, family, you know. 
Well, no, I was surprised through uh, your stories that I heard from his early days in Michigan with Jack Van Berg, uh, how much uh, experience that Mott himself has on horseback. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, he. I think he literally grew up on horses. He was, I think, the youngest trainer. I, I mean, it would all be old news, but, uh, I mean, he was a, a hell of a an exercise rider. I mean, he rode some horses that were kind of basically untrainable, and he trained them, you know. Oh, it must be great. I mean, you're a great horsewoman. You're 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 surrounded by by great horsemen, and uh, people are trying to whisper the wise guy horse right now at Churchill Downs is Hofberg, a horse who's eligible for non-winners of two. But from what I was seeing in some of the interviews w- w- with Bill Mott, yeah, he was kind of saying, you know, I didn't necessarily bring this horse to the Kentucky Derby. He brought me here. Oh, exactly, and I think that's one thing that that is kind of making people take a little bit more notice of him is, you know, Bill's not one of these guys that's just going to make a horse come, you know, because he wants to be in the Kentucky Derby. You know, the, this horse has just kind of been telling him, I think, that he's that he's up for it, you know. And and he's, God, Johnny's just such a nice colt. He's got, he's got a beautiful mind and a, the most gorgeous way of going you could imagine. And I just, you know, I think more than anything, we just need some racing luck now, you know. Well, d- describe that to us, because from what I'm hearing, it's like just in the last couple weeks or months, uh, this horse has gone from junior high school to college. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's jumped a few grades. Um, I had only been on him, I think, once. We usually bring him, his, the bulk of Bill Stables at uh, Payson Park, so they usually come down a day or so before the race. So I got on him just before he, he broke his maiden. And then he came down about probably four or five days before he ran in the Florida Derby. And there was just a tremendous jump between those races, you know. And then he went back to Payson, and I didn't get on him again until he came up here. And that's when he went to college. I mean, there was just such a difference in this horse. And it's almost daily. He just, like, takes in the, you know, he's just, like, one day of seeing the crowds and stuff. And he just, he thinks everybody's out there to see him and, (laughs) <laughs> he's just so un <laughs> he's so unfazed by by all the activity and stuff and I think that's one thing that's really gonna work in his favor. It's just I mean, you know, he's just matured so much in such a short amount of time. It's, well, um, you know, I did get to exciting. watch him go. <laughs> Yeah, I did get to watch him go this week. I mean, he was uh, the last horse to, to post an official work. Uh, prior to the Derby, and that was last Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, just watching him just kind of gallop under you in the mornings, and I've got the photos to prove it. I mean, he is muscled up. Uh, you know, he just looks like he thrives uh, on the training. Oh, he loves it, and he's, and it's just so easy for him. You know, like some horses, you know, you watch horses go by and some of them just look like they're kind of fighting the ground and he just glides over it i mean you, you almost don't feel him hit the ground he's just so smooth and just an athlete you know he's and he's such a perfect size i mean he's he's not so big to be kind of clunky and you know almost like hard on himself because of, of his size or or too small to get beat up he's just a, a perfect size i mean he and he's just God, everything is where it's supposed to be and works like it's supposed to be. He's like a machine. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm so excited. I can't say enough good stuff about him. He's just 
Shut! You're ruining my odds, Penny. Stop it! You're ruining my odds. This is a you know international program here, but uh, no, everybody else is too. I I've been listening to guys on podcast and reading what they're writing, and I'm telling you what, what you know, a lot of them just got into town on Monday to start watching these horses training, and uh, to every one of the professional turf riders are all, wow who is this beast, you know, and I, by beast, I don't mean just large. I mean, this, you know, he just, his mechanics are right and he's going good. And, you know, you look at the connections, Judmont Farm, uh, Bill Mott, sired by Tappet, ridden by Penny Gardner. I mean, all the pieces come together <laughs> on this horse. It's a perfect storm if we can just have some luck now. <laughs> well, you will. Well, hopefully the perfect storm will get out of the way Friday, and uh, from what I've been reading, uh, the sun's supposed to shine on my old Kentucky home, uh, Derby Day during the day. Uh, so I, I, I hope that's uh, the fact. Have you ever uh, galloped him on a wet track? Uh, yeah, he was he was over the, a sloppy track here, I think, early on. I couldn't tell you what day, but I'll tell you what, I think this horse could run on anything. I mean, I might be, just be in love with him or something, but... He just, I mean, he just doesn't miss a beat. He's, I think he's just one of those horses that you could put him on any kind of a surface and he'd, and he'd do well just because everything works so perfectly, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it looks like, you know, when, when I look at when he broke his maiden, he kind of had tactical speed. He didn't get too far back. Uh, he was got the lead at the top of the stretch and, and held on. Uh, you had Irad Ortiz's brother on that day. Uh, Irad will ride him in the derby. I mean, he's only one of the most sought-after jockeys uh, in the world right now. And then his last race, he was way back in 15th, made a nice move. I didn't think they are going to catch Audible that day. But one last question, speaking of Audible, you kind of had a call an audible the other morning when uh, I believe it was Flame Away came up on your hip. Describe that to us and what happened. Well, I don't know. I, I think maybe he's a, a little too much horse for that rider um, because I, I had gone by him at the quarter pole, just, you know, galloped by. And next thing I know, he's sort of in my hip pocket there. And uh, the only thing I can figure out is the guy just because it, was, uh, it wasn't something that you would uh, – you would normally do, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, so yeah, all yeah. I can to, figure to, is he couldn't hold him or something. You know, maybe he's too much horse for him. Probably needs a girl on him. Because <laughs> you guys have such a soft touch, you know how to control those big beasts, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe we try harder. Uh, well, uh, Penny Gardner, I've been watching you try for 35 years now, and you've, you've tackled every task uh, with success. Uh, it's I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. I look forward to uh, seeing you. I'll, I'll be on the backstretch Saturday. I, I assume you'll be one of the people walking Hofburg over in the famous uh, walk to uh, the saddling area on Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait. I've been waiting for this all my life, John. <laughs> It's fantastic, Penny. Well, listen, I wish you and the whole mock contingent and everybody associated with this horse nothing but the best. Uh, it was great to see you. And, uh, you know, ho hopefully I'll see you on Saturday. You'll be the last horse back after the winning winter circle photos at Churchill Downs. Well, that would be great. And thanks for all your good wishes, John.
Okay, Penny. That was Penny Gardner, who uh, works for Bill Mott, and she's in charge of uh, well, working and galloping Hofburg, the hot horse right now. And we just ruined our 20 to 1 odds here on Winning Ponies. Uh, I guess I'll ask Tom Law to chime in on Hofburg's chances when we come back. So it's the Derby Show. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, nothing more than a sunny day and a cup of coffee to make my day until I see Tom Law on the backstretch or in a press box. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, John. How are you? Uh, not as good as you as far as my writing's concerned. I uh, alluded to it at the top of the show earlier this week. They announced that you won the David F. Woods Award for Preakness coverage. So you can now go to your bed or someday have written on your headstone that you won the Triple Crown of Writing as you won the Red Smith Award for covering the Kentucky Derby, the Joe Hirsch Award for covering of the Belmont Stakes, and now you've won the David F. Woods Award for covering the Preakness. Tom, all, in all seriousness, that's quite an honor. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much, John. Uh, I've gotten, obviously, a lot of feedback from uh, friends and colleagues and, and people in the industry. It kind of meant a lot to walk around the stable area this week at, at Churchill and be congratulated by a lot of the trainers that actually have horses in the race. So it's nice that uh, they're paying attention. It's it's nice to be recognized for 
for work, and I'm glad I'm glad that the Maryland Jockey Club and the Strana Group continues the David Woods Award uh, to honor, you know, journalists that that try to put out a, a quality product day in and day out. And and like I said uh, last week, I'm just kind of honored to to join Joe and Sean uh, Clancy, who I work with, have won a, a total of six uh, David Woods Awards. So that that gives our team of three. Uh, seven of those, I think, since either 2005 or 2006. So we, uh, you know, we're very fortunate. We have a great platform in Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred to, to write for. And that gives us a lot of space and a lot of word count. And it was great. I actually talked to, to Chad Brown today and, and thanked him for, for his role, obviously, in, um, in me winning that award with uh, writing, getting, getting to write about cloud computing and, and getting to have some time with Chad, both right after the Preakness and a few days later when I got back to Saratoga and he was at the Oklahoma, Oklahoma track and I was able to do some follow-up for the story. Well, you did a great job. Let's move forward to the 800-pound gorilla in the corner. We're going to start, of course, with the run for the Roses. And then I, I know you've done some homework on some of the other races. Uh, I think we'll, also, we'll, we'll probably go from the Derby to the Oaks, and then we'll try to pick some undercard races as Tom time as sure. Tom allows, I guess. Well, yeah. anyhow, the the Derby. I'm a, every year I do this. I, I I go all over the place. I gather information, and once again, it's information overload. All of it good from a lot of the guys that that you work with side by side. Uh, but it's just amazing uh, it, everybody's opinions, particularly this year, because there is no horse with a target on his back, and there's the great unknown of Mendelssohn and there's the great challenge of the curse of Apollo uh, that hangs over the head of uh, Justify and Magna Moon and then there's also these now horses that are popping up I don't know if you got to hear me just speak with Penny Gardner she's the regular rider of Hofburg uh, that so many people have been excited about over the last week Uh, that's just one example of horses that have impressed a lot of people at Churchill I'm going to shut up Tom give me your assessment of the field uh, like you said, it's, it, it is a great, great group. I think it's like a lot of years. You have all of the right players in the race. You, the races kind of come together really nice where you have all the, all the winners of all the major prep races and they're coming in with, with good form. I think some years when you hear the uh, so-called wide open derby call every year, I think it's because people can't really sort the horses out. I think you may have, you know, long shots that have won a lot of the big prep races, but you know, you have to show you, give you an idea about how deep this field is. You have the two-year-old champion from last year, Good Magic, at twelve to one on the morning line, coming off the Bluegrass Stakes. I mean, when was the last yeah. time you saw the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner, Bluegrass Stakes winner, and two-year-old champion at twelve to one? That must must mean that there's horses that are ahead of him on the odds that just are really legitimate, bona fide contenders. Now, I know that uh i know that you've talked about buyer speed figures and stuff in the past uh listening to you talk and handicap and i was just kind of looking at it. there's really only three i guess maybe four horses um, with mendelson if you give him a buyer speed figure for the dubai race that have actually earned the uh, triple digit buyers in the race and that's you know uh, that good magic is one justified bolt dioro and uh and mendelson um i got to see mendelson today i was kind of excited about it. i'm actually doing a little bit of side work uh, for the Irish Field uh, racing newspaper over in Ireland, so they've they've had me assigned uh, to cover Mendelssohn all week. I was kind of excited to see him. I, I'd never seen him before. I didn't go to the Breeders' Cup last year, and um, you know he's a, he's a cool horse. He's kind of makes his presence 
makes his presence known. And um, I, I just can't get over his race in, in both. I really liked his race in the Breeders' Cup, and I really liked his uh, UAE Derby race. Of course, he, we're not really sure what kind of a, how good the field was in the, in the Dubai race. But I think looking at the past history of horses that have done well at Churchill Downs in the Derby, you see horses that were maybe more turf horses that have run well on turf that actually can turn in a really good performance on the dirt at Churchill, you know, like Doolahan and some horses like that that were maybe more natural turf horses that run good on the grass. But Mendelssohn is just so tremendously talented that um, I- I'm looking to for him to overcome some of those obstacles, the, the traveling, um, the unfamiliarity with American racing uh, on-, on dirt, um, you know, and – and Aiden O'Brien is, doesn't have a great record in, in non-Breeders' uh, Cup races or even even races on the dirt here in the U.S., but it's hard to hard to knock that guy. I mean, he's just the best in the world. Um, but So I'm picking him on top. I actually, I like, I really like Hoffberg, who uh, I did hear your interview, and that was, that was great. It was, a, it was a cool, cool story, and it's great that you have such a history with her. And um, like you said, Justify, he's going to try to overcome that. Uh, you know, that so-called curse of Apollo. I'm not really sure how a horse that ran in the 1800s really has anything to do with a race in 2018, <laughs> but uh, yeah. that seems to be a big rallying cry for maybe the uncreative, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think this is a, is a nice horse. Uh, he's trained by a top-class conditioner. Uh, he's looked great out here. Um, I'm not the great, I don't know if I'm the greatest uh, judge of horse flesh in the world, but he certainly uh, paints a pretty nice picture out there on the racetrack, and He's got Mike Smith. He's got Bob Baffert. Those guys know their way of the winter circle. And uh, Todd Fletcher is bringing a, a strong contingent. I really like. I really like his horse Vino Rosso in here. Horse that won the Wood Memorial is kind of battle tested, kind of tough. And and John Velasquez picked him of all the of all the Fletcher horses. Probably had first choice of any of them. And uh, like I, I mentioned, Good Magic a little bit. I, I I would love him to be a price like twelve to one. I could see him being a. A, a great value at 12 to imagine imagine if good magic were to win and pay 26 dollars we'd all be kind of scratching our heads and being like what happened there with jose ortiz and and chad brown so um you know it's going to be a good race I, I'm, I'm curious about the the pace scenario i think a lot of people are kind of watching the weather right now i think we may get a little bit of rain tomorrow i don't think we're going to have anything like we had last year thank goodness um but uh you know it's shaping up like a, a pretty interesting race but i, I just see mendelson as is kind of the he's sort of the talent of the talent and and for him to do what he's done in his career uh i, I he, you know as as somebody told me the other day if he were to win he, he could po- possibly be the most valuable horse of all time if he were to win this race and i maybe i'm rooting for that because i just think that's kind of cool to be able to to witness that but uh he's the horse that's going to be on the top of my ticket all right, Tom. I, I know that uh, we're, I'm running out of time, but yeah, I, I want to no get problem. to I want I want to get to the Oaks. But before we do that, since mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see him, he was still in quarantine. And you say you're not the greatest judge of horse flesh. Just tell me about his demeanor and how he act reacted to the. There's always a crowd on the backstretch. You know what kind of presence does Mendelssohn have? Yeah, I, I would say I don't know. If, I don't know if they would describe him as playful, but he's kind of like. Occasionally, I've heard that he's a little bit studdish going to the track. Um, you know, you know, excitable. He lets out a lot of roars and, uh, he kind of screams a little bit when he's training. Um, when he's kind of going on the track, he, he doesn't really get agitated. He's kind of a little bit playful, kind of coming off the track. 
uh, one of the guys for Aiden O'Brien had to go down and catch him and just kind of walk with him on the way back and settled him right down. But he handled it okay. He walked right through the crowd, and I was standing there next to Neil Howard, a trainer, and he kind of said, I don't know what the big deal is. This horse, he probably walks through the city streets in Ireland uh, sometimes when he <laughs> runs. So I, I don't think, I think he can handle this. And, and it was kind of funny that he said that. But, uh, you know, and, and Neil's well, a guy that's been, been around forever, and he said the horse looks great. So, yeah. All right, let's get, let's get on to uh, to the Oaks. Uh, that, that'll be tomorrow. Weather report is not good. Looks like we're going to have a sloppy track. I don't know if that compromises uh, the uh, chances of what I do believe are the two horses that rise to the top in here. They also rose to the top of the starting gate, number 10, Midnight Bizu, and number 14, Monami Girl. I'm picking against them both. I'm actually going bombs away in here. I'm picking... Uh, Wonder Godot, and I don't normally like to pick a horse that hasn't won in a, in since December, but uh, she's a horse that has kind of impressed me all week. I, I, she's I don't know I wouldn't call her aggressive in her training, but she's very enthusiastic in her training. Uh, her last race, you know, maybe wasn't so great. Uh, a little bit of a low buyer speed figure in there, only eighty two, but uh, she's run against a lot of these horses and 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 is always competitive. Johnny Velasquez gets back on board. Uh, she's never run at Churchill, so I'm kind of optimistic. I'm hopeful maybe that she'll take to the surface. I really like her at a mile and eight. I saw her win the Demoiselle when I was at Aqueduct back in December. And I liked her from there, and I just think she's kind of run at a lot of different spots, and I'm hoping that maybe she can upset the apple cart in here. But like you said, the two favorites in here, very deserving. I don't think those outside posts are really going to make much of a factor. Um, you know, I'm curious to see how Raya does, the horse that – ran second to Mendelssohn in the UAE Derby, and, and she's yes. looked good. Yeah, she's looked good. She she went from Dubai to California to Bob Baffert and then came here, and uh, she looks pretty good. And she's 12-1 to 1 on the line, too, so that could be a good value as well. All right, Tom, well, listen, I know you went out of your way to handicap some of the other races. I'm so sorry we ran out of time. Um, I No, but you've got my phone number. Will you please text me your selections <laughs> sure. in those races, okay? Because sure. I'm helping a whole lot of other – this is the only time of the year my family calls me, okay? And sure. Uh, sure. so I want to give them some horses, and I know that you, you, had, you had some interest in some of the other races. So if you'll give me a text, I'll greatly appreciate it. And once again, Tom Law, congratulations on – winning the David F. Woods Award for Preakness Coverage. You now have completed the triple crown of writing. You can put your computer down and go to bed a happy man. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thanks for that approval. I'll let the Clancy's know that I'm done for the day, and (laughs) I appreciate it. You can get my picks at you can always get my picks, too, at thisishorseracing.com. we got our Oaks Day stakes picks up there right now, and uh, we'll have derby picks tomorrow. Great, great. I look forward to it. I'll tell my family and friends. Sounds great, John. I will see you soon, my friend. Yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. That was Tom Law, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. and we get back, one of the busiest men in the horse racing business, Dan Illman, is going to share his insights and the insights of some of his colleagues with us from the Daily Racing Forum. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now on the national racing scene for the daily racing form, if there's an anchor man for racing, it would be one Dan Illman. And as far as I know, he has no sexual harassment cases against him, so that's really good for an anchor man in this uh, day and age. Uh, Dan Illman covers for the daily racing form. He surrounds himself uh, with a great team of handicappers that have pretty much done nothing but boggle my mind all week. Horses and races that I thought I had nailed down are now spread out (laughs) across the world. Dan Elman, thanks for joining me. Uh, I've been enjoying you and your your buddy uh, Beers and Bernier, and then uh, you've got another section with uh, 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 Fortin... Fortin um, Fortinale, I'm pronouncing his name wrong, um, uh, that, that he brought in, Jay Privman, and wow. I mean, we've all, everybody's already said, and this is stated, and it's stated some derby years, but I truly admit that this is probably the deepest group assembled. If, if you can't make a case for seven horses in here, you're not reading the form hard enough. I agree 100%, John. All eyes are going to be on Justify. He's brilliant. He's undefeated. He's got triple-digit buyer speed figures in all of his starts. He's trained by Baffert, and he's trying to defy the Apollo curse. But you can make a case for even the horse that he beat last time out in the Santanita Derby, the battle-hardened, tough, and classy Bolt Dioro. Todd Pletcher only has four in here. He's got Audible, who just rolled through his South Florida preps. Magnum Moon's undefeated in his own right. Vino Rosso and Noble Indy might be coming into their own. And then, of course, you've got the X Factor, the horse coming in from overseas, Mendelssohn. And what could you say about his UAE Derby win? He destroyed that field. Well, you know, again, I was listening to a, a, a couple of cappers uh, through the section that uh, that uh, Peter Thomas Fortinale does with uh, your time form guy and Jay Privman, and they both kind of poo-pooed Mendelssohn's last start, saying the company was questionable, 
he got the rail where the speed was. He had a golden trip, and he should have won by that much. I watched the race and thought it was one of the more awesome moves I'd seen since Arazi. As I've been saying since uh, Mendelssohn finished the UAE Derby, you can't be wishy-washy about him. You either love this horse or you hate him. And I understand everything those guys are saying because they're probably right. He did not beat a strong field in the UAE Derby. He had the benefit of an inside speed-favoring track, and Ryan Moore knew that, and he went right to the lead, and he dominated. But I agree with you, John. I just love the way he gets over the ground. I love the way he takes the turns. He's not like your typical European horse that doesn't break very well, and that is at the mercy of race and pace luck. We saw that in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, where he obtained a great pocket trip from the inside post, tipped out, and finished him in the stretch. This horse has tactical speed. He's got that beautiful pedigree, being a half to the mighty uh, first ballot Hall of Famer beholder, future first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I like the way he gets over the ground. You really can't quantify the reasons to like Mendelssohn, other than the fast projected buyer speed figure from the UAE Derby because of the perfect trip and scenario and weaker company. There are the intangibles there, though, too, like, and I, I like the way he gets over the ground. Five to one is not a great price, but I think we'll be hearing a lot from Mendelssohn on Saturday. You know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I just think, you know, again, some rules are going to be broken is, is what I've said in the seminars I've given. And that is that either a horse is taking the European route or a horse is going to defy the curse of Apollo uh, because they all come to the top. But there's so many other horses, as you immediately uh pointed out with Bolt Oro, And, you know, who would have thought, as Tom Law stated, that a horse that was last year's two-year-old champion that's coming off a uh, graded stakes win in Kentucky uh, with Jose Ortiz up is morning line odds at 12 to 1, and I'm talking about good magic. And trained by Chad Brown to boot the defending Eclipse and the reigning Eclipse trainer champion. Um, it is kind of amazing the hype surrounding Justify that the two best two-year-olds from last year, Good Magic and Bolt Dioro, have been relegated to somewhat second-tier status in the media. Good Magic had an excuse, I thought, for his first race back, a race in South Florida where they kind of just ran one, two, three around the track and Good Magic was coming off of the layoff. He improved in the bluegrass and this is the same pattern that netted him the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and the two-year-old champion, isn't it? Third start of his, uh, of his career in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, third start off the layoff in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I'm not sure about the distance about Good Magic. I, I believe he's a Curlin, who's just a sensational yes. young classic style, uh, stallion. But on the bottom of the pedigree, a lot of middle distance influences. I thought the bluegrass was good. He had to move early because Flame Away tried to steal away at just the right time on the turn. It was a solid performance. I just wanted to see a little bit more in the bluegrass, especially considering the quality and depth of this field. Well, uh, a question I, I have for you, Dan, and you, you've seen it a lot being being a New York guy, and, and that is uh, John Velasquez, who, you know, is in the Pletcher camp, you know, as solid as anybody could be, uh, deciding that he wants the mount on Vino Rosso. I think that's a major, major factor in using Vino Rosso, and he's a horse that I'm certainly using in multiple race wagers, and to me, he might prove to be the value of the race. He won his debut at Aqueduct, and after that race, I made him a horse to watch on our weekly Out of the Gate show as a horse with classic potential, and I have to admit, even though he won his second start at Tampa Bay, 
I wasn't heartened by that performance. He beat a terrible field in slow time, and then he underwhelmed in both the Sam F. Davis and Tampa Bay Derby, running in spots in both of those races. And it makes me think, and I usually don't like to use the track as an excuse, but it makes me think that maybe Vino Rosa didn't care too much for Tampa Bay Downs because he liked the home cooking when he got back to Aqueduct and he won the Wood Memorial, and he got a favorable setup. But this is a horse... With his pedigree, there are no doubts about the mile and a quarter. His dam is a half to the long-winded commissioner who just missed in the Belmont Stakes. I think this horse is slowly putting it all together at the right time for Todd. And his running style might play very well in a fast-paced derby. Uh, Now, do you you think the telling here is that John Velasquez probably could have picked some other horses or do you think that John's doing it because of his connections with St. Elias stable and Rapoli stable, the connections of always dreaming? It's such a difficult call. And I, I try to stay away from jockey musical chairs as much as possible. But I think in this case, John stuck with Vino Rosso. Javier probably could have stuck with Bolt Dioro if he wanted to. And he decided to go back to the Pletcher camp and ride audible. Um, you can make you know, jockeys, some people might say, are the worst handicappers out there. I think it is a tell, though, that Velasquez landed on Vino Rosso. Very, very, very interesting. Well, uh, Dan, you know, I've, I had so, so much fun watching um, all of your broadcasts before I'm going to a- ask you to uh, shift gears. Hopefully we can look at some other races because I, I bought a little more time with you. Um, your your coverage <laughs> has been, shall I say, overwhelming at the least. Um what do we expect in the next couple of days? Because uh, you've done a fantastic job with, uh, I mean, I was, I'm always a person that buys the daily racing forum, but your, uh, video presence is just been all over the place. And I don't just mean Dan Elman. I mean, all of the different specials that you guys are putting out there on DRF.com. Well, we've got an amazing team. It's at video.drf.com or the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. We just put up our out-of-the-gate weekly program featuring handicappers Mike Beer, myself, Matt Bernier. We have Mike Welsh's clock report on that program. Two young, talented breeding analysts, Joe Nevels and Nicole Russo, really take a deep dive into those pedigrees. Timeform U.S.'s David Aragona takes a really analytical approach to the Kentucky Derby. We have Peter Thomas Fornatel and Jonathan Kinchin of the DRF Players Podcast, giving wagering uh, opinions. There's something for everybody. And as a special treat, coming up later this evening at video.drf.com and the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel, we'll have another Kentucky Derby webinar featuring the legendary Andy Beyer and Daily Racing Forum national handicapper Mike Watchmaker. You're not going to want to miss that. Oh, my God. As if my mind hasn't absorbed enough yet because those are two of my favorite guys in the world uh you uh alluded to nicole russo and joe nevels uh, I, I knew joe when he was an intern at the thoroughbred times and he's just a guy he he's a sponge i mean he he uh absorbed every part of the sport and now he's kind of segued over to the breeding side and uh like i said uh I had him out a couple of weeks ago, maybe only a week ago, and I was trying to t- tap him for his top distance horses. And he's like, nah, you guys are going to have to tune into TRF if you want to find. I mean, he gave me enough information to know which way he was going, but uh, he didn't give his uh, selection, I believe, until Monday. And uh, not his selection, but you know, the analysis that, that he does, which is very, very 
you know, uh, scientific, shall I say, or he puts a lot of work into it. And uh, once again, he, he comes up with Hofberg. Of course, he's by Tappet. I think Tappet's had three of the last four derby horses, uh, but he also points out the, uh, the the success of the dam there. And in his Daily Racing Form article, he gives a br- great breakdown of those that, uh, you know, have the top shot distance-wise, and those in the past that have, and amazingly how many of them went off at double-digit odds. And uh, Joe really came up with a great line concerning Hofburg in today's Out of the Gate uh, program. Uh, He said, uh, and I believe I quote, Judmont doesn't breed cheap speed. And they have Hofburg in here, who I believe is a half to a mollient, and you mentioned by Tappet. He is bred to run all day long. To me, he, he just strikes me as the perfect Belmont kind of horse. Tappet's kind of been the Belmont sire. I think Hofburg's broodmare sire is Touch Gold, winner of the Belmont Stakes. And he's so lightly raced that you've got to wonder if the Derby is too much too soon, although he is in the hands of an absolute master horseman like Bill Mott. But Hofburg, to me, is the kind of horse. Boy, I'd look forward to seeing him in the Belmont if he doesn't uh, exactly uh, you know, overperform in the Kentucky Derby, because there's something there. I just wonder if this is a little too much too soon. But boy, he's bred for this distance. Uh, you know, I, w- I was wondering the same thing. You you read my mind, Dan Elman of the Daily Racing Form, but uh, as as Penny, his exercise rider, told me, she's like, John, we, we had no idea that this horse would progress on his own, because as stated, you know, Bill Mott's not a guy that pushes a horse to the Derby, and Bill Mott's already said, I didn't push him to the Derby, he pushed me to the Derby because he's grown up so much in the past six, seven weeks, and he's doing it all so easy, it's kind of like, you know, we'd be kind of crazy to pass the world's greatest race and, you know, not look at it, but I agree with you, should he not, you know, overachieve on the first Saturday in May, a little bit of rest and coming back in the Belmont sure would be a sweet spot. Oh, no doubt about it. And I agree with everything you said about this horse taking Mott to the Derby and not vice versa. That's the way you're supposed to train these horses. It was a really solid effort in his first start against winners to jump up from the maiden ranks to the Florida Derby. Now he got an advantageous pace scenario that day that might have flattered him a little bit. And he still has to make up some ground on Audible. But this horse has a lot of upside. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We're uh, just, uh, you know, uh, 48 hours away or so. Well, let's uh, go to the Kentucky Oaks. I will tell you that uh, all arrows point to a pretty wet day in uh, Louisville tomorrow. And uh, we're looking at a mile and eighth, the Kentucky Oaks, a million-dollar race. Obviously, I'm not uh, surprised anybody when I tell you that uh, the two that float to the top are Midnight Bizu and breaking from the far outside post, Manomi Girl, uh, who pretty much has done hardly anything wrong her whole career, all wins and one neck defeat in the Goldenrod at Churchill Downs. I, you know, I, they obviously float to the top, but. From listening to a lot of your uh, experts online, uh, there's reasons to take a look at some other horses in here. Well, there are certainly reasons to take a look. You mentioned Mona Moy Girl. She's certainly been brilliant, and I believe she's the horse to beat in this spot, but she's going to be a short price, trying a mile and an eighth for the first time. And she has to break, as you mentioned, from the far outside post, which is probably not going to be easy. She has such a versatile running style, though. She won the Ashland in gate-to-wire fashion. She won the Rachel Alexandra coming from last. And I actually like the way she's won her races from off the pace with eye-catching sweeping moves, even better than when she won on the lead in the Ashland last 
last time out, a race that she basically couldn't lose after she made the lead. Uh, there wasn't a lot of pace. Uh, and Midnight Bizu is two noses away from being undefeated through five starts. So these two are very logical contenders. But I think the number 11, My Miss Lily, is a live long shot that you might want to use as well. Uh, this is a daughter of Tappet that finally got out to two turns last time out in the Gazelle. And it was a race that she gutted out. And you could see the improvement from start to start from a buyer speed figure standpoint. I think it's so valuable that not only does this horse have a win at a mile and an eighth, but she was able to win her career debut over a wet track at Aqueduct. So she ticks many of the boxes, distance, possible wet track experience, and she has some tactical speed as well. Don't fall asleep on my Miss Lily. I do believe Monomoy Girl is the horse to beat. She would probably be my official top pick in the paper, but, but my Miss Lily is one to really consider. She's 10 to 1 in the morning line. Dan, I don't know how much uh, chance you've had to look at uh, uh, the undercard of either of the two days. Uh, I know I'm asking you that on the fly, but uh, is there a race or two where, where you feel pretty good about uh, a couple horses? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about Saturday's card. We've got the Humana Distaff in there, and I think American Gal's going to run a big race second time of the form cycle for Simon Callahan. She returned in the Madison. Lots of times I don't like bunched-up finishes in dirt races. It's very rare that three or four or five horses gave superior efforts. It's often a mediocre race. But in American Girls Gal's case, I can make an exception. It was her first start since the test at Saratoga. She dueled on the lead with Finley's Lucky Charm, and she stayed on Gamely. Her connections have mentioned that this is the race that they've uh, pointed for as an early season goal. She draws outside Finley's lucky charm this time around, and I think she's going to get a very good trip and be in control, if not right uh, right there when the field turns into the stretch. Uh, in the American turf, that's a Churchill, I believe, on Saturday as well, race number nine. River Boyne comes in from Southern California for Jeff Mullins, and this horse has just rolled through his last three races, utilizing a pretty strong stretch kick is a, a decent field. You've got horses coming in from Aiden O'Brien, three and four pier, a couple of horses that have been coming at Keeneland, who I think took advantage of a fast pace up front. I'm not really fans of those horses, but I think River Boyne has found a really nice spot uh, to make his East Coast debut. And I guess on Friday, um, you know, every, all eyes are going to be on Always Dreaming, last year's Kentucky Derby winner as he comes back in the Ali Sheba. This is a race where on paper should get a dream scenario. He's going to get to the early lead but for some reason i just don't trust this horse at this point backyard heaven has been brilliant in his last two races for chad brown perhaps he can take a spot in second and if always dreaming just doesn't have it anymore maybe this backyard heaven is going to be a pretty good one for brown i think he's okay and he's a horse certainly to consider in that race yeah, I, I, I believe you and your buddy Matt uh, on the uh, video uh, podcast that I watched both settled in on uh, on Backyard Heaven, and uh, Mike Beers uh, kind of went with Awesome Slew, thinks he'll get a good uh, pace challenge in here, and uh, this could be the time to fire. He's uh, got a first and second at Churchill. Oh, Awesome Slew is just a hard-hitting horse. My main concern is the distance. I've always felt that Awesome Slew is a one-turn, seven-for-a-long mile horse, and Mark Cassie uh, had the option, obviously, of running on Saturday in the Commonwealth at seven furlongs. He decided to go here at a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, he must feel that maybe Always Dreaming is ripe for the picking, and Awesome Slew really made a nice comeback in the Carter Handicap. He ran, or he ran a winning race. He just caught Army Mule on a day where that Todd Pletcher horse freaked. So I could certainly see Awesome Slew. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great place to go and look. Uh, Dan Elman is with us right now from the Daily Racing Forum. We're trying to uh, uh, see if there's any of the races on the undercard that can give you some money going into the big races. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, Dan. Were there, was there anybody else on either undercard that caught your eye? Well, I think Whitmore is an interesting horse. A lot of people are going to pretty much hand the, uh, the Churchill Downstakes race number eight to uh, Imperial Hint who was so good last year in the Breeders' Cup Sprint and should get a, a lovely trip stalking a 30-to-1 shot on the morning line. Chief Secretary's in from Turf Paradise. But I think that the connections of Whitmore have taken it slow this year, trying to get a little bit more out of him. You notice that last year Whitmore started out fast, and he kind of had some trouble the middle of the year before regaining his mojo in the fall. Uh, Whitmore last time out came from last. He was very conservatively ridden against weaker horses over his favorite track at Oaklawn. But I really like the way he finished. And as I said on Out of the Gate, the key to the, uh, to the, key to the Churchill downstakes is whether this chief secretress, the expected speed, can put up any kind of a fight for Imperial Hint. Imperial Hint's probably sitting second on the outside. He's going to attack on the turn. And most people think he's simply going to blow by this overmatched pace setter and put on a show. And that's a very likely situation, although at a very short price. To me, if Chip Secretaries can keep Imperial Hint occupied just for a little bit, I think it could set things up for Whitmore, who's come back sharp. I think he's sort of an interesting uh, horse uh, as an alternative to the likely chalk. And if you're looking for a, a, a gigantic price, a horse that I've always been a big fan of is Insta Irma, and she's running, I believe, in the Distaff Turf Mile against the likes of La Coronel and Dream a Wild, two very, very good horses. Insta Irma was always okay for Bill Mott, transferred to Richard Baltus. I had her down as having some tough, tough trips in those races. I believe she was third in the Matriarch, a race that showed that she could run with the big girls. And her last race, she was just flat. And that last race told me she needs a break, and I guess it told Richard Baltus the same thing because she took a little bit of time off after that race. She has the ability on her best day to win a race like this, and she's going to be a giant price. All right. Well, Dan Elman, man, you are you're the best. And I appreciate it greatly. As you know, I, I, I try not to wear out my welcome. I, I try to save you for the big races and the big days, and you come through every single time. Of course, uh, if there's things that weren't stated on the show that will be over the next two days on DRF.com. Uh, so I, I urge you to go there and uh, listen to Dan and the great handicappers he surrounds himself with because they do an outstanding job at their presentation. There's also video clips. And God only knows where they'll take you next because these guys are on top of the game from every single angle. Dan Elman, thank you so much for joining us on Winning Ponies. John, always a pleasure. Good luck to you and good luck to everybody out there on Oaks and Derby Day. All right. Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, folks, whew. We did put 10 pounds in a five-pound sack once again here on Winning Ponies. Uh, one more time, I want to remind you, we are having a free contest on winningponies.com. Uh, go up there. We got we got uh, cash prizes. We got winning credits for your easy win forms. And these are the next two days that you want those because there's going to be so many people betting into the pool that uh, – your bet will just disappear and you are going to get some great odds. So for my main man, my producer, Josh by gosh, Tom Law, Penny Gardner, Dan Illman, 
I'm John Englehart. Have a great Kentucky Derby weekend. And when you go to the races, remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.